Welcome to Over a Third. We're an Australian netball podcast on the Edge of the Crowds podcast network. I'm your host, Sarah, and tonight I'm joined by Dan, as always, and Ellie, you're back on the pod. Just here to talk about them birdies, aren't you? Yes, yes, I am. Um, no, I've got the week off work this week, obviously, come and um, spend my time watching um, the likes of the Allen sisters run around on a weekly basis. So, um yeah, got the week off this week, so back on the pod and here to talk about the birdies. How are you, Sarah? I'm good. I'm good. I'm, uh, yes, keen to talk about this weekend of netball because a lot has gone down once again <coughs> that we did not predict. Um, and, yeah, how did you see it, Dan? It told me that the more I think I know about this sport, the less I know about this sport. <laughs> um, I, I think it's fair to say I got at least two tips wrong possibly like half of a third because there's a little part of me that believed that the lightning were going to beat the vixens again there was just a little part of me that was like maybe they could do it twice um and so yeah i mean it was a wild weekend um in fact it was such a wild weekend that i spent three days in bed following <laughs> that wild weekend so i know how those netballs are feeling with the food that's going around because let me tell you it has hit me for miles <laughs> Yeah, so we will let you talk on and off throughout the night. Uh, Ellie and I will run the show for the rest of it. Um, you were at the Giants versus Thunderbirds on the weekend. Uh, and, of course, Georgie Horges was out with the flu. So, um, yeah, that was a massive loss for the Thunderbirds. And it did mean that the Giants got the jump. And, unfortunately, that was the lead they needed to take out the game. So, Giants by nine over the Thunderbirds. What did you see there? Um, it felt like the Giants really got the jump on the Thunderbirds. They had, in the first quarter, they were up early. They are up big. And a little part of it was because Amy Parmenter had one of the best games she's played all season. And you do have to wonder what it would have been like having Georgie Horges there to mm. maybe match up on her. Maybe she would have played in goal attack. Uh, the other really interesting thing I found is that Laniz is fit. Laniz was well and healthy and didn't play a second on the weekend. I thought that was a really interesting decision to bring Lucy Austin in rather than the mid-quarter um, to replace Georgie Horges and then to play her the full 60 with no Laniz was, was interesting. And I thought the Giants were... It was quite a mature performance from the Giants. They got ahead early. They kind of kept their lead. They didn't. They weren't thrilled with how they went in the second half, letting the T-Birds back in rather than running away with it. But at no point did they really look threatened in the second half. There was no panic. They were always like, we've got this. We can keep this under control. And I thought that was a, a mature performance. That's uh, good to hear this time of year from the Giants as well because they are trying to play themselves into that top four and stay in that top four now until finals. And, of course, they did... Uh, move up to third so they're solidly in the four by a game at this point um so yeah an important win for them I guess as well uh over the Thunderbirds but another team that were not impressed by their second half and uh unfortunately it did result in a loss was the New South Wales Swifts they uh they played a great first half stayed competitive with the Magpies and then something changed very late in that court in that second quarter and Gabby Sinclair came on started shooting some super shots uh and then the second half it just it fell apart for the Swifts um 
I think it's the second week in a row too that they've had a, a poor second half. And yeah, Paige Hadley was very disappointed. Yeah, it, it's the second time they've in a row they've had that. But it's also, it's not the first time that someone's come on and sunk a bunch of super shots and thrown the Swifts mm. off their rhythm. I mean, Riley Batchelor did it when the Swifts lost to the Lightning at Ken Rosewall five, six weeks ago now. Um, and throughout the season, if someone has gotten a hold of them with a super shot a bunch of times in a row, it, it has really thrown them momentum. And that's a concern because, I mean, we've made excuses for the Swifts attacking end all season and probably rightly so given the fact that they're missing Savoie. I mean, that is not to be understated, but that defensive end is not missing anyone. This is their trio. This is their diamonds lineup. And there have been times where they've just not been able to get back into it when they've needed to. Yeah, and on the weekend, they did try a few different combinations. They brought Tossi on, they brought uh, pushed Turner out, then they pushed Turner off the court in her 100th and brought in um, Ali Smith. It was a bit of a, yes, a, trying to find something that could match it with the Magpies. And unfortunately, that just never happened. And the Magpies ran away with that one by eight. And that keeps them in finals contention, which Nicole Richardson after the match was very pleased about. She's like, at least there's still... While they are competitive and they're playing like they want to play finals anyway, it's nice to actually have that mathematical possibility there sitting in front of you. That said, I'm still not sold on the Magpies because no. that, <laughs> that shooting circle is still not gelling. I mean, it seems like week to week they find someone to stand up, but at no point does it look like there's a synergy where the sum of the parts is greater than the individual parts. Imagine trying to watch that game on the weekend with a Collingwood supporter like my sister was. <laughs> it was unbearable. She's um, The Magpies were home, but 30 seconds to go, I said, you've won it, Lily. And she goes, no, shut up. So obviously she's very, very fun to watch netball with these days. I'm guessing um, what Sunday afternoon is going to be no different. I do think it's a bit weird because the Magpies at times look like a team that can do it all but so much of the time they don't so much of the time they look like a team cobbled together and not really fitting there well and they're all going to be there again next year and I don't know how they go about fixing that because they can't change the personnel they're all going to be there again so we'll see it is going to be interesting um the thing they were really happy with at the weekend was their defense but again, you're coming up against an attack that is, we've spoken about all year, not at their best. <laughs> they don't have Sam Wallace there. Like, so it's a completely different system to come up against. But they were more pleased with it because it is still it was still a um, moving circle and that's what they found tough against the Thunderbirds last week was um, the fact that Lacey Austin moved a bit more. Tipper was obviously very um, mobile in and out of the goal circle. So um, they were pleased with how this week they were able to match up against that similar moving circle a little bit better. But on to the other Melbourne team, and then we'll yes. get to the yeah, big game. I think of that's the, the way to do it. <laughs> uh, we got the Melbourne Vixens. They got the job done by four over the Lightning. And this was really just like a get the job done kind of performance from the Vixens. They uh, were pretty happy to come away with the win there. Yeah, well, and... I mean, they were almost a little bit lucky to come away with the win because they were not at their clinical best. They were not kind of cutthroat. They weren't ruthless. There wasn't the same juice on their movement and on their passes as there usually is. And it seemed almost like they were only running at 80% um, 
So I think they were probably lucky to come away with the winner of the Lightning because they didn't last time they played the Lightning. And I'm sure that was playing on their mind at three-quarter time when it was only a goal or two difference. Absolutely. Yes, same and- sister was sitting in the MCG cafe. Um, not, <laughs> not, not happy, um, as always. Um, yeah, so <laughs> this weekend's going to be a big one. And um, I can only imagine the Derby in a few weeks' time, how that's going to go down for it. It is interesting because I don't understand what it is about the Lightning that gives the Nixons fits. Because <laughs> the Lightning have not really, and, and all due respect to the Lightning, they haven't troubled most teams this season. But they have absolutely troubled the Vixens. And nobody else has really bothered the Vixens the same way. So I'm not sure what it is. Whether it is, you know, that really mobile circle that you get with Kara Conan and Steph Wood and Riley Batchelter, or whether it is the endless arms in defense of Kate Walsh and Katie Antony, I'm not sure, but something is working against the Vixens and really only against the Vixens. <laughs> That's true. The Vixen, uh, the Lightning, though, Steph Wood uh, was a little bit proppy on her knee uh, early in the match and was on and off seeing the physios and that. Um, so I'm not imagining that the goal circle being overly mo. Like I'm not, I'm not sure that that potentially was the reason the Vixens are troubled by it, but maybe it's the changing, you know, the on and off nature of um, Steph Wood on the weekend. Maybe that was throwing them because... Why don't the T-Birds give the Vixens fits by the same token? <laughs> true, true. Well, we'll find out this weekend. Um, we and there's a spoiler on my tip for the weekend. That is. But the final game that we get to here is possibly the most exciting because it does completely change, in a way, what we were thinking last week. Uh, the Firebirds decided to uh, really rock up in Perth and uh, won by four goals. Pretty remarkable. Look, I'm going to be honest here. I caught, I haven't fully caught up yet. Um, I find that I am a jinx to the Firebird <laughs> side. Every time I watch them, they lose. So I didn't watch the game live. So I'm, I caught up later, but um, oh my gosh. Um, I can't believe we won as soon as um, obviously in the chat was going off. Um, and... Yeah, I sent a message to my sister saying the Firebirds are going to win because she told the Firebirds won because earlier in the day she told me that we were going to get smashed. So screw you, Lily. You're listening. <laughs> She's not. I can tell you that right now. But um, <laughs> Gretel Boer, the masterclass, really helped. Um, the Firebirds, and she's been off the past couple of weeks. I think it, um, it was stepping calls here or there or things like that really got her off her game. Um, but, yeah, it was so good to see um, Gemma Maimai and Danelle Wallen be able to win um, in Indigenous round and the photos that came out the day after were just were just really um, nice. And, yeah, I'm, I'm just really happy that we're still in finals contention. Um, and you never know, hopefully, um, we continue the run this week. Yeah, I mean, Mia Stow was really impressive when she came on for Danelle Wallen. Um, you know, she came on, she hit her super shots and she generally seemed to really disrupt Courtney Bruce because a very different kind of goal shooter to Danelle Wallen. Mia Stow was obviously a lot shorter, a lot quicker, a lot more mobile. And it really seemed to kind of get under the skin a little bit. And obviously, Rudy Ellis is, is a great fiber, a great keeper matchup, but she's not a matchup for Mia Stow. That's not an option you can go to. You almost want to throw someone like a Sunday Ariag back in there. I mean, Jeva Maimai was superb. That was definitely the best game she's played this season. Yeah, she had all that court time. 
but she really made the most of it. She was careful with the ball. Um, she had to have a really good passage and attack. It made all the difference. And she's been an impact player for so long as well. Obviously, going on um, when they need something fixed in the midcourt, um, but for her to be able to get a full 60 or close to it was um, yeah, really awesome to see. And, um, we sort of got to see again what um, she can do with an extended period of court time. <laughs> I mean, miraculous recovery as well from a partial tear to the Achilles. So that's what I was in. When she rocked up on court, I was like, so, sorry, how, how? Like, can you let some of the footballers that have been missing with Achilles know your physio's habits? Because, like, how? But um, obviously incredible that she was fit and well for the first weekend of First Nations round. Um, and, yes, they really did bring uh, the energy to that game against the Fever. Um the fever for the first time really did actually have to rotate that defense that you were just talking about, Dan, and um, really search for solutions. Like uh, normally they've just been able to throw Rudy Ellis in and push everyone up the court. Well, that didn't work on the weekend. So it was like, okay, how else can we do this? And yeah, it really just didn't work for them. Yeah. And it's, I think it's one of the first times we've seen the fever struggle to have an answer this year. Mm. There have been times where they haven't won. But at no point did it look like they were searching for us. It just looked like they couldn't quite get the job done against the Vixens particularly. But this was a different beast. This was a what do we do kind of throw yeah. the, the names around to try and find an answer. And I thought that was really interesting. It's a really good challenge for the FIFA to have. And I'm sure Dan Ryan is happy that it happens now and not in two or three weeks' time because that's a not very pleasant way to end a season. But it will definitely give them some food for thought. I wonder if um, there just needs to be a little bit of manifestation at halftime at the, uh, the fairy light circle, then that, that's how we'll find the answers. Maybe they need to add like a picture of the firebirds or something in there and just like manifest a win over the firebirds. I don't know what's going on in that circle, but honestly, every halftime, I just wait for that to come on screen and see what they've got in there this week. I mean, I remember that at the start of the year, there was a whole lot of uproar about the fact that because the change rooms are so far away in Ken Rosewell Arena, teams just sit in the tunnel at halftime to have their chat away from the arena. And yeah. fans were like, what is this? Is Ken Rosewell a prison? And now we're talking about the Fever's uh, fairy light circle <laughs> at halftime is something that we look forward to for the halftime entertainment. It's been a wild year with Fox Sports this year as the broadcaster. Yeah, so we have got some... Uh insight that we've never had before and um, some really good analysis too during the game, which has been really great as well. Looking at that weekend and the results, I mean, it does some things to the ladder. Uh, <laughs> we have the Vixens who are one win away from securing a minor premiership. So they could do that this weekend against the Thunderbirds. We've got this fever behind them, um, the Giants behind them on 24 points. And then we have the Firebirds have moved into fourth but they are equal on points with the Thunderbirds who are fifth, the Swifts who are sixth and the Magpies who are seventh. And then one game behind is the Lightning, of course. Wow. I am ready to put a line through the Lightning. Yeah, fair enough. And I am ready to put a line through the T-Birds. <laughs> Only because of their two matchups that are coming up. Yes, because of that, specifically because of that, because they are not by any means out of it by points, but... I think they have the hardest run home, without a doubt. And I think it's a real 
stretch to see them winning again. And you're going to have to win one, maybe two games in the run home to make finals if you are a Firebirds, Swifts or Magpies mm-hmm. or T-Birds. We did say it could come down to that round 14 matchup between the Swifts and the Firebirds and it still and could come down to that. <laughs> after the weekend, that only looks more likely because the Giants are now game clear. So if the Giants mm-hmm. beat the Firebirds this weekend, they pretty much seal their spot. Yeah. As wow. long as their percentage isn't terrible uh, the following week. Um, and it would also mean that depending on how the Swifts matchup goes this weekend... It's the fever, though, so it's a tough one. But <laughs> predicting that that doesn't go well, they're going to be level with the Firebirds again next week and level with the Thunderbirds. And so you'd have to think that the team that wins that round 14 matchup is booking a spot in the finals. Well, yes. And four weeks ago or three weeks ago, we had that conversation in that the Giants first Firebirds matchup this weekend and the Swifts first Firebirds next weekend could be the deciding factors. Now we didn't predict at all Firebirds coming out against the Fever. Uh, We didn't predict at all the week before. Oh goodness me. It's just like every weekend. It's always that like first or second game as well, where we're like, Oh yeah, yeah. We're, 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 Oh no, we have no idea what we're talking about. I mean, we'll get the right result, but I don't think our working is correct. Is kind of what mm. I'm like I'm thinking of this is like a math problem. We got the right answer, but by fluke, not by working. Yeah, because we certainly did not predict the Firebirds to play like they did on the weekend against the Fever. Um, but it, yeah, it definitely makes it interesting now with the Vixens pretty much sealing that minor premiership. Um, very unlikely that the Fever will win two and Vixens lose two uh, and then potentially swap. But, hey, stranger things have happened. But also, um, if the Fever win the major semi-final, as we'll talk about shortly, that would be a, a major win for Netball Australia at this point, I think. <laughs> it would be. Let's roll into that now, Dan, because it's Wednesday as we record this and on Wednesday... Uh, the big news that we've been digesting this afternoon uh, was dropped by Code Sports this afternoon, and it's that the Super Netball Grand Final has basically been put up for auction to the highest bidder, uh, which at the moment is Perth, um, and they will win hosting or pay for hosting rights of the Grand Final. From all reports this afternoon, looks like it's pretty well sorted. What does that mean, Dan? Well, by the sounds of it, um... This is running off the Code Sports report and not much else because everyone else is very tight-lipped about this. I did try and make some inquiries and got nothing back from anybody. Um, The only statement of any kind this afternoon was Joe Weston on behalf of the PA who said, a full statement is coming. And from the Vixens who said, a full statement is coming, um, which roughly translates to uh, legal is checking our wording before we start war. Um, (laughs) But the nuts and bolts of the deal, as we understand so far, is that the grand final will move around for the next five years of Super Netball on a basis, basically, where state governments or... Would buy it, but maybe it's the changing, you know, the on and off nature. Local associations pay for the hosting rights. And we understand that this year the deal has been done with Perth, 
presume the WA state government, um, with a cash value of about $300,000 and benefits of up to around $350,000, which is venue charges, which are quite expensive, um, a pre-Commonwealth Games diamond staging cap, some percentage of ticket sales, some percentage of decal signings and other benefits that the league can basically use as part of the deal, which is in and of itself not unusual for professional sports in Australia. Um, it's not unusual for how sporting arrangements work around the world. It's pretty common for most of the venue hire around Australia that that's a, a sort of general understanding of how uh, venue hire works. Now, where it gets interesting is the grand final will have its time switched from last year. It was uh, a Saturday afternoon at 5 p.m. Brisbane time. This year, uh, we understand that it will be 5 p.m. Perth time on the Sunday, which is a Sunday night grand final in prime time um, in basically what is the NRL model of timing. Um, we understand that this is a step towards professionalism for the players who will be paid a grand final and a premiership bonus um, working for how that will actually work is, is yet to be confirmed. But the big question about this deal is that it sounds like the deal has been in the works for a while. It sounds like the deal was first floated to club executives in early April. And we are now in the 1st of June and it sounds like on the 31st of May, Kelly Ryan, who's the CEO of Netball Australia, and Adam Richardson, who runs the Super Netball competition, briefed players, coaches, and officials for about an hour on Tuesday night about what was going on. Um, one of the big criticisms of this was the lack of consultation, follows the complete lack of consultation about the super shot on the introduction ahead of the 2020 season. What's particularly interesting is that the team that stands to lose the most is the Melbourne Vixens, who will almost certainly host a home semi-final, who will almost certainly win the minor premiership. And despite that, may still be forced to travel potentially to their opposition's home court for a grand final. Um, and so I think what's made most fans and the players upset is the timing on this, because this has been held off until after round 12. It's been held off until the season is almost gone. Um, and it follows a pattern of late announcements of things that, you know, probably could have been done earlier and don't sound like they've been done with uh, consultation with the players. Um, I know that Jamie Lee Price said last week after the match that diamond selection has been pushed back as well. That sounds like it won't be until next week, which may have been because they were dropping this bombshell this week. Um, and one bombshell is enough per week for netball, which makes sense because this will generate a new cycle for long enough. But I think uh, from a kind of Australian sporting perspective, there is nothing wrong with this deal as a way to support the financials of a competition. To move the grand final around is what the NFL does, it's the Super Bowl. Um, the AFL has locked theirs in at the MCG for the next 50 years. What is particularly unusual is to announce it so late in the season rather than before the season. Um, and with such a clear implication of the change in the competitive balance and the reward for finishing on top of the ladder. Yeah, that's the massive news really is that it's being dropped on at the moment, the 1st of June. And to 
our, our knowledge, none of the coaches knew on the weekend because we actually heard from Simone McInnes who said that um, they really wanted to win that home major semi-final and then a home grand final to reward their fans who have been with them didn't get to see their 2020 premiership because it was in Queensland due to COVID and didn't really get to attend many games last year and have been back making their noise at John Kane Arena this year and will they they were hoping <laughs> would uh, get to attend a major semi-final and a grand final so I think that that's another implication now being the 1st of June, we're two weeks away from the final series starting and we're talking about changing the structure of how the finals works and how you win rights to home finals and that sort of thing. So it's a, a massive bomb to drop going into round 13. Here's what McInnes said. About ex our execution um, and playing and maintaining standards for ourselves and we want to f finish minor premiers. That's important for us. You know, that sets you up for, you know, hosting. It's a long time since our fans have, have seen us play in finals. So that opportunity to host the final, and it gives you a great opportunity that then you might be able to host the grand final here. And our fans who have pledged for a couple of years um, without being able to play, uh, it, that would be really rewarding. We'd be, get great satisfaction from that. But also, I was there for Team Girls Cup earlier in the season and that was at the state netball center but the vixens are in the final for that and that was a really loud home crowd atmosphere and it probably upset the fever a little bit and it definitely worked in the vixens favor in that final and that's the state netball center which is a lot smaller than john kane arena this is a significant competitive change i mean a home crowd grand final is a huge swing and what happens if the fever don't make it and it's half empty and that's the thing that the Melbourne going to Melbourne for the AFL grand final has always been the way it's something that some people do like families do they travel to Melbourne for the grand final I don't know how many families will be traveling in school holidays at peak price times from Melbourne to Perth it's not an hour flight it's not a couple hours flight down from Queensland or whatever it's across the country how do you go about getting a Melbourne Vixen stand there and families that would 100% be down there paying their hundred and whatever dollar tickets to go to John Kane Arena on grand final day, but they're not going to spend the thousands it's going to cost to fly over to Perth. I'm, I just don't believe. And the um, 5 p.m. Sunday time slot, isn't that, it's the, I don't, it's probably great for the viewers, but if you're going to go, it's terrible because you've got to wake up for, work the next day um that what the final would finish it goes for about an hour and a half so it'd be finished at like 6 30 our time but it's going to be 8 30 their time so well no it, and then you've got an hour of it's 6 30 yeah. their time 8 30 our time but then you've got an hour of celebrations and everything i mean last you remember how much it ran up against the end of the broadcast mm. um and we can expect it to to run as well this year because there won't be a broadcast push because Fox Sports will carry it all the way through. So, I mean, if it finishes at 8 p.m. Perth time, you know, that's 10 p.m. Eastern Seaport time and then you've got to get a red eye or something, like, that's brutal. Yeah, exactly. It's a, it's a Sunday. Like, you, <laughs> you need a public holiday on the Monday to be able to get back and there's no public holidays in July. So... Um, it's not, it's not, it's, it's just, 
again doesn't make I understand it want them wanting it to be sort of a standalone in that there's not really competitive AFL or NRL matches at the same time um, that makes some sense but at the same time your netball fans are your netball fans they're going to watch the grand final if they want to watch the grand final so leaving it on the sun Saturday afternoon evening time slot just makes sense but uh, well, yes it that's... limits travel again Let's not pretend like the AFL's favourite WA fixture is not the 4.40pm <laughs> local time kickoff. Like, that is right in the spot of that um, kickoff time for, for the netball. So there is every chance that we'll have a cross-scheduling in Perth. So Wednesday, it's the 3rd of July, isn't it? Yep. Yeah, let's check. The Please tell me West Coast or free play days, just for the, the laugh. 3rd of July. Who's got the Sunday Twilight Clash? Fremantle v Port Adelaide starts at 5.20. Did I not just fucking say that? <laughs> and West Coast play earlier in the day, but they're, in the, they're at the G. I mean, there is a, a schedule clash. I mean, we've got Fremantle hosting Port Adelaide at Optus Stadium, and admittedly, the chance of a Fever Thunderbirds final are slim. Mm. Unlike last year where we had a Giants-Swans final clashed with a giant swifts grand final still salty about having to have split screen on that one but i think it's a scheduling issue but i think the biggest thing is the the risk and this looks again is a captain's call made by the netball australia board and there's been a number of captain's calls over the last couple of years that have not been made with consultation they've not been made with any sort of warning they just drop bombs like this i mean there was the comment last year about the um fixings possibly facing severe punishments for not going to perth i mean it's not like perth has been super helpful and hospitable to netball over the last couple of years but the giants will attest to that uh the vixens will attest to that but i think most significantly is that this is a continued run where netball australia continues to treat major stakeholders like players and fans who are the money and lifeblood of this game and the sport that they want to run with a level of opacity that borders on disrespect. I don't exactly like how else we meant to put it than that. Um, it's, yeah, it'd be really interesting to see what legally the um, Players Association and the Vixens and uh, others, people that will be very much we're going to guess involved um in this grand final at this stage they're definitely the team to beat so um it'll be interesting to see what they have to say i do think legally um there'd be problems that there's not going to be much of a yep. stand on this i think that everything will have the right for netball australia to make decisions at its discretion for the betterment of the game and there's a strong argument to say that six hundred fifty thousand dollars in the coffers is for the benefit of the game the fact that it's only 650000 is uh, a bit eye-popping for, for me, I have to say. I thought it was going to be more. Um, I would have hoped that it would be more, but, you know, it is what it is. Uh, but I don't think legally there's going to be much they can do other than uh, write strongly worded statements. We'll have to wait and see on those statements. Um, it certainly is an interesting uh, story that we've digested this afternoon and obviously these are our first thoughts in a way we, we did go off in the group chat first and then have refined ourselves a little bit for the uh, podcast but um 
Linda Pierce's exclusive for Code Sports was certainly the read this afternoon. Um, well, <laughs> shall we move on to who could possibly make those finals and the games coming up that contribute to who might actually play those finals and host those finals? Ellie, yeah, I think so. your choice first. Yeah. Yeah, so I chose the Lightning v Magpies. Um, yeah, interesting game. Obviously, the uh, it's going to be it's a miracle that's going to have to happen for the Lightning <laughs> to make the finals from here. Um, obviously, one step behind the rest of the pack per se, but, you know, anything can happen. Um, Collingwood are obviously riding on a high after beating the Swifts, the Swifts at home last week. Um Annie Miller will be huge for the Lightning if she does take the court. Um, she was massive in the back end of that second quarter um, for the Lightning in the match against the Vixens, which brought the um, the Lightning right back into the game, as well as some help from a few super shots from Steph Wood. Um, but what I obviously a do or die match up for the Magpies. Um, they lose this, and it's probably they're one step behind the pack, but. What I'm most interested in, um, and we touched on this before, I feel like the combination of Tara Hinchcliffe and Kate Walsh have started to work over the last few weeks and have been very strong. So I'm interested to see what Collingwood's best circle matchup is. Um, obviously, Sophie Garbin struggled a bit early on last week and they brought Gabby Stinclair on, who made a um, huge difference. Although they weren't on their A game, it's going to be interesting to see um, who Nicole Richardson puts out there. At the other end of the court, there's plenty to see as well because um, we've got uh, Juva Mentor and Kara Conan probably facing mm. off against one another. And that has been uh, a bit mixed recently. Um, I don't think either of them have been at their best this season. There's obviously some history there given that Juva used to play for the Lightning mm-hmm. um, and would have been there around when Kara was coming up through the system. Kara certainly wasn't the starter while Juva was there, but she was up through the system, so... Uh, I'm interested to see that matchup as well. Yeah, I'm definitely interested in that end of the court too because I'm interested to see how Steph Wood is um, and what they do here because realistically, Lightning are very close to being out of finals. They're mathematically still possible, but uh, very unlikely. Steph Wood is meant to be playing Diamonds in a little while. I'm not sure... Which one comes ahead? Does win, contributing to a lightning win come ahead of potentially hurting your knee further and then being behind for Diamonds Camp or is it important to get her fit? So my question is what Steph Wood's got because some, you know, if it's something like bone bruising, it's not going to get worse from her playing on it. She's just going to look hobbled. If it's something like a ligament or a tendon issue, then we've got a serious problem. And maybe it's something that can't be fixed before diamonds. Um, Or maybe it's something that can, but we don't know because, of course, Deadpool is super transparent on all (laughs) things, fixturing uh, grand finals and injuries. Um, I was about to say. I have a pedestal for this one. (laughs) I was about to say, because if you ask the lightning, there's nothing wrong with Stepwood. Which are... Yeah. Good one. Thanks. But yeah, uh, but I mean, yes. it's it's an interesting matchup. I do wonder if the Magpies win, whether Steph would misses round 14 mm-hmm. and where they just go, right, we, we're done. Let's not, you know, not even take the risk. But 
we'll see. We will see. Uh, Dan, do you want to go next with your matchup? Well, I am looking for the hottest team in Super Netball at the moment after beating the Fever, which is the Firebirds, <laughs> against um, a pretty resurgent giant side that will be looking mm. to seal a final spot, basically, because a win over the Firebirds puts them two games clear of the Firebirds. And essentially, I mean, depending on how the other results go, it could put them one game clear of everyone else for finals with, or two games clear with one week to go. The Lightning get up, it, it could be two games clear and they could seal third spot with a week to go. But we have seen the Firebirds at their very best this year and we've seen them at their very worst and the Giants the same. So by quarter time, we'll know which of each side has turned up, whether it's their best or their worst or not. But it's going to be close. I'm looking forward to seeing the matchup at both ends. Mm-hmm. I think seeing Ebony Usaro Brown against Rose's teammate Joe Harton is going to be good. Ruby Baker-Dorn against Sophie Dwyer is good. Greta Bueno against April Brownlee is good. And Tilly McDonald against Danielle Wallum is must watch. So, I mean, the matchups all over the court are going to be great to watch. I am, I say, I'm really looking forward to this matchup. I think it's it's going to be good and it's going to be really decisive for the finals. I think that's it. I think this this game will hopefully hopefully give us a little bit of clarity uh, about where the teams are uh, at the moment in terms of some obviously giants can secure third spot um, pending other results. And I mean, the firebirds could just go and make everything crazy. again. in saying that though, it doesn't get too crazy. They just go equal on points with the giants and potentially if someone like the Thunderbirds get up over the Vixens, that makes three teams on 24 points. It it does make it interesting uh, if the firebirds do get up, but um, certainly some key matchups to look forward to. Rav versus Price is one I'm keen to see. Yeah, Love I mean, a mid-court battle. I don't think there's a bad matchup over this court over the weekend because Hay and Gab Simpson and then Jeremiah Mayolara Dunkley up against Palmy. I mean, it's it's must-watch all up and down. Absolutely must-watch netball. And Sarah, who was your pick in the draft this week? I went for my Thunderbirds uh, up against the Vixens, mainly because Vixens. Um, but uh, this one's the last game at home for the Thunderbirds, obviously, this year. Uh, a massive game, too, because they get to play at the Entertainment Centre, which is not something they get to do all the time. So pretty exciting to finish with that one. Um, this does have the matchup of the round for Dan, so I will avoid that matchup right now. But um, hopefully Georgie Horchus will be back from illness uh, after she missed the weekend because I'm going to call her Thunderbirds playmaker. Uh, they missed that in their front end completely on the weekend. They just didn't have anyone that could possibly do the, the work she does. And we've seen, especially over the last couple of weeks prior to round 12, um, her dominance, her feeds um, have been incredible. And yeah, it's just, it's been a really good couple of weeks and it's very unfortunate she got hit on the weekend by uh, influenza, but hey, that's going around Adelaide. So apparently Sydney so you know just avoid it uh, but I can tell you it's some, going around Sydney that's for sure <laughs> some other matchups to uh look forward to would be I mean we speak about it every week Taylor Williams coming up against any of those Vixen mid-quarters I don't know what combination the Vixens will use this week they used Kate Maloney in wing defense last weekend um and I had a little bit of a different look at it so will they go for a similar matchup um 
will yeah Liz Watson play center will Kate play center I don't know will Taylor actually get on court and play center hey who knows um I do think we will see Tanya Ops back to her brilliant best at the rotational subs I do think that that's uh something that we will see a bit this weekend particularly if um things start similarly to last weekend I think we might see a little bit of rotating through the midcourt especially and maybe through the wing defense goal defense combo but um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see if there is another out, whether it is Lucy that comes in again, because that was something you spoke about earlier, Dan, about her sort of being the priority in goal shooter, I would say, in, instead of Lenise, which is a massive call to make. Um, and if, yeah, Lenny is fully fit, it's very interesting that they took the um, younger player and put her on court instead of Lenny. But um, we will see if that's similar this weekend, if there's another out, because... I don't quite know if influenza has gone through the whole team yet. So, so there may still be someone to come. It's de- it's definitely not Shamira because she um tweeted during the week that she was recovering from um influenza and she um in her words she probably almost died, but then um <laughs> but then got um MVP for the Thunder the fans voted MVP for Thunderbirds. You wouldn't have known that she was anything other than her best last week. She was, as always, superb. Absolutely. Um, especially in the second half, I thought that she lifted in the second half um, to sort of go up against that giant goal circle who were who were running the show pretty well. Um, but yeah, exciting one. I'm keen to get down to it uh, and see that one live. Should be exciting finish to the season for uh, us Thunderbird fans at home. Obviously disappointing that we won't get finals, but that's you know, another year. Um, <laughs> and and potentially um, Rani Samerson back as well. Ooh, that'll be good if she's, uh, haven't seen her live yet, so that would be good. Um, but, yes, she was uh, still out last weekend with that injury, so hopefully she's tracking well towards a return. Uh, final matchup is the Swifts versus the Fever. I am looking forward to getting down to this one. Um, I always enjoy watching the Fever play live. Seeing the way that Dan Ryan and Brian Eagle work their benches is always really interesting. And it's something that you do kind of get uniquely from being there. But the Swiss really hung on against the Fever in the first half last time they played. Um, that was, you know, the Swiss were still going pretty strong at that point. And the first half really worked against the Fever. And then they kind of fell off the pace in the second half over the Easter weekend. So I am interested to see whether the Swiss can bottle that for 60 minutes this week. They kind of got, mm. you know, 24, 25 minutes of it last week. They really need 60 minutes of it. I mean, they really need 120 minutes of it of it over the next two weeks if they want to make finals because it's going to be a tight finish. But the fever, I think, will be hurting after last week's loss. And while, yes, they don't have a huge amount to play for given that now A, they're two games back in the minor premiership race. They're still two games clear in the third place race. And they have the comfort of knowing that the grand final will be at their home court regardless. And under um, the flying pig, don't forget. Obviously. <laughs> I do think they will come out wanting to prove a point. Um, and they didn't win in Sydney earlier in the year against the Giants. And I wonder if there's a little monkey on the back there that they want to get rid of. Definitely, definitely want to get a win because there's a chance that they could have to travel to Sydney, technically, no? 
I think mathematically it's possible that they could have to come back to Sydney to face the Giants in week one of the finals, but it, no, no, they couldn't possibly have to travel to Sydney in the first week of the finals. Famous last words. No, no, because they'd have to finish fourth and they're three wins ahead of fourth at the moment. Okay, so, so technically not. They they might finish third and have to host in the first week of the finals and play through and go to possibly go to the Giants in second week, but in the first week of the finals, they will not be going to Sydney. Of that, I'm confident. They will still be making a trip east, <laughs> which means that they might want to get used, like back on the travelling, you know, they've had a couple of weeks at home, so they need to get back on that travelling wagon. They need to show up in Sydney. Um, and this is one where they should, comfortably come away with a, a solid win if they if they play some of their better netball even against the Swifts best this season they should be up there and then they should be able to finish it off I think that a win is really important here there's no denying that um and it'll be interesting to see what they pull out because um I don't think their defensive system will be as troubled as it was last week but I do think that their um attacking end could see some interesting tactics of Tegan and um, Sarah Bring Clark. back Tossie. Bring yeah. back Tossie. I liked the way that that worked last time up with uh, Turner up against Tegan Neal down on court. So I wouldn't mind seeing it again. Absolutely. Well, it brings us to our matchup of the round, Dan. Which matchup are we going for this week? Well, I know, I know we went for a Thunderbirds defensive circle matchup last week, but I'm going with a Thunderbirds defensive matchup again this week because Latanya Wilson and Kira Austin is must-watch netball. They're both in ripping hot form. Kira Austin is very much back to her best now. Um, Latanya Wilson is firing on all cylinders and that wasn't the case when they first matched up um, in mm. round six. Kira Austin was still working her way back and Latanya Wilson wasn't getting a lot of court time at the time. Um, she only played she played 49 minutes that week, but um, she didn't quite get to be her best that week. And so I am looking forward to seeing them. They're both in great form at the moment. And it's definitely going to be one to watch, I think. I had um, courtside seats for the last time. They um, came up against each other and Jesus, it was, um, yeah, almost lucky not to get um, yeah trampled on by either of the defenders from the Thunderbirds because I was like right behind the signage um down at John Kane so escaped it but yeah that was um great to watch courtside um and yeah looking forward to seeing it again on Saturday night I believe yeah so I might need to shoot Danny a message and say hey if you're down in the photographer pit watch out because um I think she's almost been trampled on a few times down at uh Netball SA Stadium so I want her to bring the microphone as well because I reckon there's a good chat <laughs> That's true, actually. We should have, oh, the Swift vs. Thunderbirds was the one to have the microphone at, but uh, this one as well should be a fiery matchup. I mean, they they competed well against, the, the teams competed well against each other last time they played. So um, it was just the Vixens got a little edge in the second half and sort of ran away with it. But um, definitely, definitely keen to see this one. And of course, the last time these two teams met, the Vixens um, had no Kate Maloney. So it's going to be interesting to see how um, throwing her back into the mix. What, no no Lanise. <laughs> oh, yes. How could I forget? 
Um, and we didn't, to be fair, we didn't see a lot of uh, Taylor Williams last time. It was only 22 minutes. So, But I, I reckon that was one of the games where she broke out. It was. She had two gains, five second phase receives, uh, and eight goal assists, which in just over a quarter of netball is a very good effort. Very good indeed. And she's only got better since then with a little bit more court time each week. So uh, certainly keen for that matchup as we're keen for pretty much every matchup this weekend because they all will tell us something and it will be interesting to see if we have been able to sort of predict these ones this weekend or whether we're going to be Uh, shown up again. Yeah, come back next week to find out how little we know about the finals (laughs) race. Um, Hopefully we know a little bit more, given there's only going to be one weekend of netball left before we get into those finals. Um, I'm getting so excited already for finals and I think it'll be, uh, yes, a memorable last two weeks running into them to see who actually makes it. I make a bet that this time next week we're going to say it's all hinging on Firebird Swifts. Yes, you can, because you'd be backing yourself up from four weeks ago that when you said... (laughs) It'll come down to round 14, Swifts versus Firebirds. So, yes, certainly. And it's a bit of an advantage for the Swifts. They've got two weeks at home to finish this season. Can they get a, a win or two? We'll find out. Anyway, that that's that and more next week. Um, I think we'll leave it here for tonight. Thank you so much for joining me, Dan and Ellie. This has been Over a Third podcast. Uh, You can find our netball stories, our features and our match reports on edgeofthecrowd.com. As for Over a Third, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Over a Third Pod. Thank you for listening and we'll be back next week to talk ahead of round 14, the final round of the Home Domain season.